Welcome to The Meaning of Life, where philosophy gets personal. This podcast is a series of conversations between Dr. Susie Ferrarello and philosophers from around the world exploring the ever-persistent question of what is the meaning of life, amongst other topics in philosophy. Our host, Dr. Susie Ferrarello, received her PhD in philosophy from the Sorbonne University in Paris. She is an expert in phenomenology, ethics, moral psychology, and ancient and contemporary philosophy. Dr. Ferrarello is currently a professor at California State University, East Bay, and also a philosophical counselor. Follow our social media accounts for episode updates, highlights, and other behind-the-scenes material. Hello, everyone. It's my great pleasure today to have uh, as a guest for our podcast, The Meaning of Life, where philosophy gets personal, uh, Professor Francesca Brancio. Francesca Brancio is a researcher in philosophy at the University of Sevilla. Uh, she leads the Fenolab, uh, a wonderful uh, theoretical laboratory on philosophy and mental health. Uh, she is the member of the Phenomenology and Mental Health uh, Network uh, at the University of Oxford and of the Advisory Council of the Martin Heidegger Society. She is also executive committee member of the Royal College of Psychiatrists uh, and uh, with a special interest in uh, group in philosophy. In March 2021, she received the Seal of Excellence, uh, and um, this Seal of Excellence was awarded by the European Commission as the Institution Managing Horizon 2020. She is member of the Philosophy of Psychiatry Educators Network as part of the International Network for Philosophy and Psychiatry, and she studied philosophy at the University of Perugia in Italy, theology at the Theological Institute in Assisi, and associated to the Pontificial Universitas Lateranensis in Città del Vaticano, and awarded a PhD in philosophy and human science from the University of Perugia. She works as she worked as postdoctoral researcher at the University of Sydney in Australia, at the Albert Ludwig Universität Freiburg, and she was visiting professor in the USA for the winter semester 2017 in Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, and Buffalo. Uh, her fields of investigation are phenomenology, hermeneutics, uh, uh, phenomenological psychopathology, philosophy of psychiatry, and Heidegger studies. So uh, I'm so, so happy to have you here today, Francesca. Um, and uh, yeah, we will have um, a nice talk together about uh, philosophy, the meaning of happiness, uh, and um, yeah, I, I would start from here. I would start from what brought you to philosophy. I see from your bio that uh, uh, for you, it's not just about philosophy, but uh, it's uh, the interconnection between philosophy and uh, psychopathology, psychiatry. You seem to be very much in the, at, at the crossroad between um, the two, philosophy and mental health. How did you get there? Uh, first of all, Susie, thank you very much for your invitation. The pleasure is mine to join you and your fantastic podcast. You are doing an impressive work on this to let people talk about how philosophy can shape our life. Uh, well, how due to a constellation of events, authors, readings, and uh, personal experiences, if I may say. Uh, when I started to study philosophy, I approached philosophy basically as a matter of love. I studied philosophy for love, for love of knowledge, 
love of curiosity, for the love of wisdom. So uh, let's say in a very idealistic way, because philosophy was at the time and still is the flu of my own thinking. So the gasoline of my own thinking. And despite uh, this big interest and this deep interest in philosophy in particular to the so-called continental tradition, I recognize that philosophy is not enough to understand the complexity of human being. For sure, it's an important tool, especially I have in mind this conception of philosophy as a, a spiritual ex ex exercise. Philosophy is not a subject of investigation or subject that we teach in classes at the university. Of course, it is also a subject of investigation and subject of teaching, but basically it's something more. It's a way of living. It's a way we find ourselves into the world. But when we deal with mental health issues, I saw that philosophy on one end is not enough to understand the complexity of well-being and mental health in general. But on the other hand, it may illuminate a certain way of exercising psychiatry and psychology. So it was due to this um, intersection of different elements <clears throat> that uh, I came into this field of phenomenological psychopathology. What is a, a phenomenological psychopathology? Can, I, can you give us uh, a few bits to understand uh, uh, what are you actually doing? What is phenomenological psychopathology? Uh, psychopathology is uh, one of the most important fields in psychiatry and in mental health sciences. Psychopathology deals with the explanation and understanding of abnormal of the so-called abnormal mental health experiences and usually psychopathology has a very uh, descriptive approach to these experiences to the so-called abnormal experiences for example how I experience my body I experience uh, the space uh, how I can experience temporality um, intercorporeality, personal relationships. When, we've, when we deal with the alterations of this kind of ordinary experience, uh, psychopathology provides a description of this. But through the contribution of phenomenology, which is a method of investigation funded by the, the German philosopher Edmund Husserl, we have a kind of a specific toolbox that can help in the description of such experiences. Because normally, from the side of psychiatry and from the side of psychopathology, these descriptions are provided following a third-person approach, which means a very disease-centered approach. Through the contribution of phenomenology, we can achieve a description of these abnormal experiences starting from the within. In other words, how these experiences are perceived, how they happen from the within, from the point of view of the person, which is the subject who is living a certain kind 
of experience. So phenomenological psychopathology, it's a combination of the phenomenological method with the description typical of a psychopathology in the field of psychiatry. And uh, the one, if we are entitled to say this, uh, the first one to provide uh, and to show uh, how phenomenological psychopathology is effective was the German psychiatrist and philosopher uh, Karl Jaspers, we, who wrote in 1913, if I'm not wrong, his monumental general psychopathology, which is still is a, a kind of a, a pathway for it for everyone who is deep into this field. And through the combination of a philosophical method together with also other influences, for example, hermeneutics, critical theory, or other kind of more recent adjustments of philosophy to the contemporary scenario of our society, we can, we can reach a description of the so-called abnormal experiences that is particularly accurate in order to understand how these experiences happen and how we can uh, improve also the treatment and the practice of care for people. So basically, yes, my, my philosophical career, my philosophical pathway is built upon the intersection of different field of expertise. And uh, I, I start to see this not as building wall, rather building bridges, mm -hmm. which I think is the most important part in the interdisciplinary research. We have to build bridges because we have to cross certain gaps, not always to fill these gaps because sometimes they are still there, but we need to cross them. And we need to build these bridges. Does this method um, help you in your personal life, uh, this combination of uh, knowledge? I mean, I know there's no psychopathology there, but, uh, uh, you know, everyone's life is difficult in different ways and no one is normal from uh, close bias. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Bilop Basaglia was saying. So, uh, does this uh, knowledge uh, uh, provide you some support, some uh, enlightenment in uh, your daily life? Definitely, mm. but mm. not as a, uh, not as a final point. Mm -hmm. Rather, it's in progress. Mm -hmm. If if I must be honest, if I, I may be honest daily. I try to put all the stuff which are not only and mainly in the books, in the papers, mm -hmm. things that are discussed in congresses and presentations, start to put that into my life, like uh, food for my soul, food for my, not only for my mind or for my brain, but for my soul. And it's extremely difficult. Even if it's compulsory for me to do this, mm -hmm. at the same time, it's also extremely difficult because somehow all this knowledge, all these intersections um, are something that we, I want to achieve through an increase of awareness to an increase of self-knowledge to uh, 
to deepen my own introspection, to understand who am I, not merely as an academic, who mm -hmm. am I as a human being, and mm -hmm. how can I serve my community, how can I serve my family, how can I reach my goal, how can I be happy, because at the very end of the story we are discussing about this, about happiness, and when we deal with uh, abnormal conditions, talking about happiness is extremely problematic. Uh, I mean, so, why so you think it's extremely problematic? Well, uh, first of all, we know that happiness is a very broad concept mm -hmm. and it is nourished by our culture, our system of values, our society, our personal experience, our personal values. So it's just, it's not a static concept, rather it's a dynamic concept that we build in our life. And perhaps the way in which we conceived happiness when we were kids is not the same thing as today, mm -hmm. since we are adults. And so, generally speaking, trying to find a definition of happiness is difficult for all these elements. But we deal with a, an ordinary way of living when we talk about happiness in that way. Mm -hmm. If we turn our gaze into other perspective, for people who have a, a diagnosis of mental health conditions, reaching happiness, it's a huge challenge, not only in terms of personal belief, personal experience, but also in terms of the stigma and boundaries mm -hmm. that society usually put around people with mental health condition. So, for example, if for someone who has not a diagnosis in this field, being happy means to have a job, to have a certain financial security, I don't know, very ordinary and basic things. There are also people with mental health diagnosis that do not have access to job, do not have access to a certain level of salary, and that cannot afford also a certain level of quality of life. So it is extremely problematic. And perhaps philosophy and this can be helpful in terms of letting us understand the peculiarity of these two, of these not only two, of these different words and trying to make them communicated because we perhaps it's not that important to overlap but rather to communicate because it's in this tension that we can grow both as, as human beings but also as uh, members the community. Do you think that uh, happiness uh, um, as a positive con concept, meaning uh, as a concept that has been uh, posited, that has been uh, constructed, can become a burden uh, for people suffering from a psychopathology, but also for uh, people uh, who don't have a specific diagnosis, but uh, just decide to live their lives in uh, their own way? Well, I don't want to repeat 
you know, something that is still uh, on many, on many covers or many podcasts and something like this, but uh, we are living in a specific era, in a specific historical moment where it seems to be compulsory to be happy. Everyone wants to be happy and performative and brilliant. Mm-hmm. And so we have this, uh, uh, this notion of happiness as a, a social construction, especially amplified by a certain way of communicating things. I'm thinking, for, for example, to a certain use or abuse of social networks. We have everyone must be perfect. Everyone must be uh, satisfied in your life in general. And you have to post the pictures and uh, receive the likes because you are the number of likes you receive and stuff like this. So this model of happiness is specifically a construction, is specifically a positum, something which is constructed, built in general. And for us, as people who are not dealing with a certain amount of of condition, it is a burden. And I can easily imagine that for someone who has a diagnosis in this field, it's so much more complicated. It's so much more hard to be happy. And so perhaps we should slow down. Slow down, which means not simply stop being in this mixture of things we need to do, rather to find it ourselves in our moment of well-being, of our solitude, because we can be happy also when we are alone, when we are in into our space, not necessarily on, on what is required, socially required, mm-hmm. to be in order to be happy. So yes, definitely, it's a burden. Was there a moment in your life uh, when you thought, uh, <clears throat> I need to question everything here, I need to... Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Daily. <laughs> yeah, how, how does it feel? What did you change? How do you build your trajectory in life? <laughs> well, try to listen to my inner thermometer. Try to listen to my inner thermometer. And my inner thermometer deals with my ability to be in peace with myself, which is something close to happiness. It's a kind of serenity, a deep serenity, a deep peace of mind. And it's extremely hard and complicated to achieve. But in my perspective, this is happiness. And it's not always easy to listen to your inner thermometer because even if you are doing this, you live in a, you can live in certain circumstances that force you mm-hmm. to be a stone into a river, not a fish following 
the, uh, the movement of the river. And sometimes it can be odd, it can be problematic, but it has to do with the way we are going to look to ourselves, to listen to ourselves, to question ourselves before questioning the others, to question ourselves. Always, daily, asking, am I doing good? Am I doing right? Am I achieving my goals? Am I serving at the best of my ability, my family, my community, my university? Am I supportive enough with the people I love, with the people I care? So it's a daily exercise. That's absolutely great what you're saying. Uh, how, for, for those who listen to us, uh, one question might arise. I mean, how do how do we question everything when we have a family, when we have a mortgage, when we have a job that we don't like, but we have to do it if we have a job and so on. How can we combine this uh, absolutely essential wisdom with real life, with, um, you know, the real task of daily life? Did you find in your life a way to combine both? or a moment in which you manage to combine these two aspects? Well, I think that a possible solution, which of course is extremely personal, everyone has his own herb or his own personal solution, is to find little moment of bracketing, of putting between brackets what is happening around us, also our daily task, also the way that I have to function as a mother, as a professional, as academic, uh, in, as a friend, whatever. Uh, put into bracket all this, also your biggest love, also the person you care more, you care the most in the world, put between bracket which is not as deny the value of the person, of the, of the things we are doing, of the task we are accomplishing. It's just put between brackets and listen. Listen to yourself deeply, honestly, without, yes, without kidding with ourselves. Because sometimes we are very, very good at hiding ourselves behind, you know, the sense of duty, the sense of commitment. And so perhaps a solution could be this, bracket, put between brackets, everything, and listen. And be honest enough to recognize what is not working and how you can change what is not working. Because everyone can change things. It requires time, it requires energy, it requires resources at different levels and of different natures. But since we are alive, we can change. Because this is how life it is. It's changing. It's it, it dynamic. It's a movement. It's not static. We are not stone, yeah. and as such, 
we should develop this skill. And it's absolutely difficult. It's not easy journey. That's, yeah, that's beautiful and true. Uh, I agree. What happens if the self doesn't talk to us? There are moments, right, in which uh, we manage to, okay, I'm here, I'm listening to you, I'm putting everything in brackets, nothing comes to us. What would you do? Or did it ever happen to you? I mean, I had my moments, uh, right? <laughs> it happens. So you are there, finally, I made time for you, everything is good in place, nothing is coming, and you're there alone. Uh, Perhaps asking why nothing is coming is a starting mm. point. Mm -hmm. Why nothing is coming? Mm -hmm. Why? So trying to understand this, mm -hmm. I think there's not a, 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 a you know a magical receipt for mm -hmm. anything, right? Not for happiness at all, not for happiness, not for beauty, not for not getting bored. Not... No, mm -hmm. this is this are fake news. So there is not this magical receipt. Perhaps, but perhaps asking why nothing is coming. Mm -hmm. It's a starting point. But yeah. of course, I have, I have moments like this. And I start to stay in this moment, which, mm. is, which sometimes it's painful. But you have to stay in this moment. You have to face this moment, this moment of silence, this moment of fog moment sometimes also of darkness we have to stay in this moment did, did you record Nietzsche quote oh, there is no night so long mm -hmm. that we will not allow the dawn to rise that will not allow the sun to rise we should recall this there is not eternal midnight we just have to stay in the darkness and face the darkness. And it's painful. I know this. But some, somehow we can do. We can do this. Just step by step. One breath after another. One, one inch after another. And then mm -hmm. the sun rises. Do you think uh, that... Uh... <clears throat> there might be a connection between uh, the real notion of happiness. So we question the happiness that is positive, constructed, and so on. And we said uh, it, it would be good to reach your own sense of happiness, which is not performative, it's not uh, imposed from outside. Do you think that this notion of happiness uh, might be connected with a sense of uh, safety, with a sense of freedom, um, um, of absence, if you want, from uh, um, the imposition from the outside, from mm -hmm. uh, the daily business, from uh, what you think you are and what the other people think you are and so on. What do you think? And, do you have experience in your life of these, I mean, moments in uh, your personal life in, uh, that brought you there? Uh, I think that 
one of the most common mistake is to confuse happiness as what we have, what we own, with what we are, or better, who we are. And somehow, what the what, not the who, can make the difference. Of course, I, I had and still have moments in which um, people are expecting from me as a human being, as a person, as a mother and so on, to be happy according their own parameters, which cannot be my parameters. And sometimes it's complicated, but trying to navigate the expectations from the outside with the inner aspirations, it's important. It's extremely important, especially for women who has a family, who has kids, who have jobs, who want to be financially independent. It has to do also with the way women are seen by society. So trying to mitigate these two different approaches can be a solution, yes. Did you ever experience anything like this? Yes, sure. I've experienced it. I record when I was, uh, when I was younger, uh, I grew up in a very bourgeois family in Italy. And I record that uh, due to the education I received, especially from my grandparents, um, I was expected to get married, become a mother, not necessarily to find a job, not necessarily to study at the university. Of course. Uh, just be a good mother and a good wife. Because for their system of values, being a good mother and being a good wife and being a good woman were three fundamental ingredients of happiness. But that was their words, not mine. So I forced this education and I tried to, uh, to break the wall of this education. And I studied uh, and I get to the college and I get to the university and I have two degrees and then take my PhD and then all the other title of my education. And then I get pregnant, I had my child. And so, and I was for a long time a single mother. So basically I destroyed all the elements of this golden cage mm -hmm. of being happy. Mm -hmm. It was pretty complicated, yeah. of course it was, but I am not regretting anything, mm -hmm. what I did. And I think this is something important we have also to, to teach to young generation of children, especially of girls. Mm -hmm. You can be whatever you want to be. Mm 
Nobody can tell you what is happiness. It's mm -hmm. your choice. Mm -hmm. Of course, you, you have only to persevere. Always with dignity, with sense of control, with inner discipline. Persevere and smile. And inch by inch, you will be happy because you will build your own happiness according mm -hmm. to your values, which sometimes are not the values of your family. Of course, my family love me a lot. Yeah. Of course, mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to pass this wrong message. But perhaps, yes, the fact that we were two different generations mm -hmm. with uh, different aspirations, with the social expectations and inner desires, that was a moment of friction. Mm -hmm. uh, and yes, but sometimes frictions are necessary mm. in order to develop, to improve on yourself. Mm. Thank you, Francesca. Thanks. Yeah, this is a lot. So love, I mean, uh, what struck me is uh, what you said about love, which is uh, absolutely true. I mean, they love me. Uh, there's no question about that. I love them. Uh, yeah, but uh, I am who I am. I know what, uh, where is my choice to be happy, what I should do to be happy. I know, or I have a sense. I have an instinct, a step-by-step -step that tells me yeah. where should I go uh, to find my own happiness. How do we handle love in those moments? Because um, sometimes it seems that we can receive love only if we do as we are told to, right? Um, that, uh, yeah, uh, love is, is um, kind of a coin, a kind of a payment, trans it, it, it's transactional, and it's a pity. Uh, how do we do? How do we go there without uh, the fear of uh, losing those we love, uh, those uh, who love us, uh, without losing support, uh, a safety net? Uh, is there a way or uh, should we just go hmm. on our own? This is a very difficult question. It is, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and none of us has a recipe, clearly. Uh, <laughs> that's the solution but uh, you put the finger there and uh, I was curious to see if uh, we can take that trajectory well perhaps we should start with uh, recognizing that losing is uh, one of the ingredients of love. So failure, rejection, separation, loss mm -hmm. are ingredients of love. Of course, everybody wants to be reassured by a lasting form of love, something that will never we never stop, we never change. Somehow this is a toxic narrative. Because love, first of all, love 
change. The love you experience when you are an adolescent is not the love that you experience when you are in your 30s or when you are in your late 40s or when you are in your 70s. So first thing is to understand and recognize that it's in the dynamic of love. It's in its own nature changing. And in this changing, we can lose people. It's natural and there is no uh, no guarantees in anything so another important thing is to consider that love is not a coin you cannot buy your yourself through the coin of love you cannot be unfaithful to yourself through the coin of love you can accomplish others desire just because you want to be loved because otherwise you just become a copy of your own and through authentic self in order to be loved so trying to change this narrative is important especially for young generations i mean perhaps through the contribution of philosophy, of literature, of different field of knowledge, we arrived to this point. But if I think to the girl I was when I was nine years old, 10 years old, just dreaming about the charming prince, then I discovered that I yeah. did not need the charming prince to be happy. I just need myself as a free, aware woman who perhaps is, have been, will be lucky enough to meet someone able to recognize me. So not a matter of adjusting to other expectations. Of course, we need to make compromises. It is in the nature of things to, to do certain compromises. But there is always this question until which extent I can compromise who I am, who I want to become in order to be loved. So trying to, to ponder the measure of compromises, it can be a tip, it can be a suggestion. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Is there any philosopher that uh, uh, talked to you uh, in dark moments uh, and uh, gave you somehow point you to the right direction or uh, was it um, your inner voice mostly? I mean, uh, was there any ever a combination of the two? Yes, there are two, two guys. And, yeah. uh, I've, never, uh, I've never wrote about them because you know, they are really my, my love. So I keep myself distant <laughs> all this way. Yeah. And they are Friedrich Nietzsche mm. and the Hannah Arendt. Mm. Mm -hmm. In my dark moments, I, I go to them, pick up a book, open the book and read, and then start to ponder, start to meditate, not ruminating, just meditate for they can what they can say to me. And they are my two stars. 
in the in the skies of philosophy. You already mentioned Nietzsche, so I will ask you what uh, Hannah Arendt uh, uh, told you once in a moment of darkness. Be realistic enough mm. to not lose yourself. Mm. Be faithful to yourself, because at the very end of the story, of our story, of our personal life, what remains is how we, we, we were able to be faithful to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this is the most important lesson I've learned in my life. Be faithful to yourself. Be true to yourself. Do not, do not sell yourself. Do not sell your dreams. Do not sell your aspiration in order to be loved, in order to achieve a better position in your work environment in order to satisfy others expectations be faithful to yourself what's uh, if i may ask what's the most difficult thing you had to do in order to be faithful to yourself <sighs> let people and things go out of my life mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let people go, let things go, let situation go, let job offers go. Do not force anything. Mm -hmm. Let all these things go. And it was painful, extremely. Of course. But it was important, healthy, and vital to do in order to be faithful to myself. And if I may say, also close to happiness, yes. Do you feel happy today? It's a work in progress, <laughs> I think. <laughs> It's a work in progress. Perhaps if you, if you will ask me this question in front of a good coffee within a 20 years, I will tell you the same. It's a work in progress. <laughs> uh, perhaps not happy because i do not believe in happiness as a permanent condition mm -hmm. happiness is just made by time and moment it's not a permanent condition but i am at peace with myself and this is extremely rewarding yeah i agree thanks francesca for this beautiful uh, talk thank you together. thank you for the invitation i still want to ask you one last question, which is the title of our podcast and is the question that generally everyone uh, hates. Oh, that's fantastic to know before. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, it's not, it, yeah, it's another work in progress question, probably. The meaning of life. If life has a meaning, what would you think that would be? Trying to... Uh, art the less you can yourself and the others. Do not art yourself and the others. The others, I mean other people, the world, mm -hmm. um, also natural environment. Try to not arm in general. And it's extremely difficult. Extremely. Yeah. But I think this could be 
one of the meaning of our life, of life in general, and trying to trying to be kind mm-hmm. every time you can, every time you can, trying to be kind, because kindness and empathy are two extremely important resources for our personal life, for the community and politics. So do not scream, do not, no, just trying to be kind and show empathy, which does not mean to be weak. You can be strong and empathetic. You can be strong and kind trying to exercise these virtues, I think it's another good pathway to find the meaning of life. That's very beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for this suggestion Thank and you, for Sophie. being my guest. That was wonderful. Thank you. The pleasure is mine. Thank you.